Over the last two decades, I've been on a quest to learn everything I can about leadership, obsessed with what makes the best leaders so good. After running companies small and large for the last 20 years, today I speak on stages all across the world to audiences who are interested in that same question. My name's John Laredo, and I'm your host. I invite you to join me on this journey as we explore this topic, what makes the best leaders so good. Welcome to Tomorrow's Leader. All right, welcome to today's episode of Tomorrow's Leader. I am John Laredo, your host, where we dive deep on all things leader-related, related to leading yourself and, of course, leading others. Today's episode is going to be fantastic, and you may ask why I know that. Well, I know that because this is the second time I'm doing it. I got all the way to the end just a few minutes ago, and my camera stopped recording. That's not fun, but... The treat now is that you will see utter perfection because this is my second time going through this entire episode, but I like it so much. It's okay. This is a great topic. So let me start with this story. I don't know if many of you have been uh, up in a hot air balloon, but it is an unbelievable experience. If you have not gotten a chance to do it, I highly, highly encourage you to do it. Uh, It is really like an experience you've never had before. And I know some of you are afraid of heights and everything like that. You know from my past episodes, I'm not a big, big fan of heights. But for some reason, you get up there, even as high as you get, and there's not the same feeling of like, uh, I I can't even really explain it, but there's not that same feeling of being paranoid and petrified of the height when you're up that high. So um, I will tell you, give it a try. Uh, I don't think you're going to have, even if you're afraid of heights, that same fear. Um, I certainly did. I jumped from the 100-foot platform I was telling you about, and that was, to me, scarier than being up even 13,000 feet jumping out of a plane doing skydiving. So um, here's a cool thing, a couple of uh, things about this. So we did a a sunrise uh, hot air balloon, which was absolutely fantastic. Uh, We ended up doing this uh, like, you know, whatever, 5 a.m. van ride. Uh, We we got there. They inflate the balloon, which is really cool experience just in and of itself. And then you get in there and then you go up and it's like unbelievably peaceful. I can't even explain it because it's so quiet up there. Uh, You don't hear anything except when you're you know, igniting the, the burners going on and you're igniting the air, the hot air balloon, but, um, that's loud. But aside from that, it's incredibly peaceful. You've got this feeling like you're up in no man's land. You've got, you're high enough so you can see everything, an incredible view, but you're actually low enough where you can have conversations with people on the ground. We were up yet having conversations with people that were out on their deck, having, um, on their balcony, having morning coffee. So it was really, really cool. Uh, saw the sunrise up there and everything like that. And you're up for like an hour. What's really unusual, though, about a hot air balloon is you have control over the altitude. So the burner itself heats up the air inside the hot air balloon, which causes it to go up or you let that cool down and you start to drift down. Uh, But you have no control over the direction. You literally don't have any control. You are totally at the mercy of the wind. So if it's too windy, oftentimes they'll cancel the flights uh, or if there's no wind whatsoever, it's got to be pretty, you know, somewhat ideal conditions. 
And that's why certain geographic spots, they do a lot of hot air ballooning and others they don't. So uh, you're up there and you don't really realize it because, you know, there's a guy that or a girl that's doing the that's the pilot that they're experienced. You're kind of in their good hands and you just for some reason feel safe. Um, but we're kind of an hour into it and we're starting our descent and I'm realizing, and the pilot's being really open with us about the fact that we are nowhere near headed to where we're trying to get to or where we had intended to go, where our desired landing spot was. Um, instead we're drifting like further and further away from it. So you've kind of got these two choices. It's either you, you know, ascend in which case you're at the mercy of the, the wind. You could be going further and further and further away. Even even if the wind picks up, you're even in really bad uh, shape. Or you just descend and you try and figure it out, I guess. So we're, we're going down and we're descending. And I'm realizing, I'm looking down, I'm like, okay, that's not an open field. That's not even an open parking lot. We are landing on a building. We're landing on a rooftop. And in which case we did we we descended. Now, granted, this was a one-story building. Thank God, not like a a, uh, a skyscraper, <laughs> but uh, it's really unnerving. And we're like, okay. So there's a guy we flagged down that's in the parking lot. I guess this is pretty routine because the guy the guy that was our pilot was not you know in the slightest bit panicked about it. But uh, we're flagging down this random passerby guy who's who's in the parking lot, and he comes over and we throw a rope to him. He's got to pull us. So think about like that guy probably didn't start his day thinking, OK, I'm going to pull a hot air balloon off a roof, but he's got to pull us off the roof and then we descend uh, down to the parking lot. <laughs> so it's like really, really a weird feeling. It was an unbelievable experience, um, but very strange to not have control at all over the direction where you're going. So why do I bring this up and what does this have to do with leadership? It has a lot to do. And it's, it's a great analogy for what I see. And for some reason, I'm seeing it more now. Maybe it's just because I'm looking for it more. Uh, but I see a lot of businesses, a lot of leaders that really are flying their business or running their business almost like a hot air balloon. They have no control over the direction of where it's going. They're hoping, everybody wants their business to grow. They're hoping it's going to grow but they are almost doing it or trying to do it directly or indirectly or intentionally or unintentionally by accident. And the simple one of the simple reasons why is they have no handle of the numbers of the business. Now I get it. Some people are more analytic than others. I'm a closet analytic. I like numbers. Um, I don't live and breathe and die by them, but I, I like getting into the numbers of a business, but I'm balanced. I also love the people and I love the strategy of the business, but the numbers have always been important. And I've been fascinated at how many leaders just don't get into the numbers or know their numbers. Now, I'm a fan of two great shows out there. You might have seen The Profit with Marcus Limonis, where Marcus comes in. He's a very wealthy business entrepreneur, comes in, and he basically is rescuing a business. And he makes a decision. These are all businesses that are, that are failing. And he makes a decision whether he's going to invest his own money and obviously buy into that business and help run it or not or walk away from it. And you see him very quickly assess the leaders by just asking some simple questions. And the ones that don't know their numbers really well, it becomes really evident. And then he doesn't invest in them. And the reason why is because he's got no faith in them. How can that leader truly be able to run that business if they don't know the numbers and haven't taken the time or made the effort to wrap their arms around it. You're just flying blind. It's like flying a plane in the dark at night with no instrument panels. You can't do it. Or it's like being a doctor 
where you are just kind of, you don't run tests, you don't do analysis, you don't do blood work, you don't do MRIs, you don't do anything other than just kind of ask the patient some questions and take their temperature uh, or just ask them what they think. Hey, what do you think this pain in your head is? You know, what do you, what do you think it might be? Um, I see business owners, I see leaders that actually run their organizations that way. It's amazing to me. Uh, Shark Tank is another great, great show that uh, you see. You know, how many times do you see an entrepreneur come in there and they're asking for an investment to buy into their business, $200,000 to buy in for 5%. Okay, you're valuing your business at $4 million. You have made no money or no profits or you've made $50,000 or $100,000. Where do you get those numbers from? And so you'll see the sharks just rip them apart, right? And they don't not only don't invest but they walk out of that, you know, stage humiliated because what what, what how are you a leader of that business? How do you expect that business to grow if you don't have your arms wrapped around what the numbers are. So let me talk about a couple of different things and, and ways you can look at this. And I will tell you firsthand, what this enables you to do as a leader is a few things. One, you're going to make better decisions, more accurate decisions, right? Because you're going to know a few things. You're going to know uh, what is working, right? You're going to know what's working and what's not working, but you're also going to know why it's working. It's not only important to know something's working, but why is it working? What part of the equation what part of the investment is paying off? What part of the investment is not paying off? What part of our system or processes are working or broken or slow that we need to rethink or what's totally a sunken ship? Um, so not only what is working and why it's working, but also who is working. I was talking to a very successful leader uh, who also owns the business development of a company, and she's made an incredible impact in this organization. I mean, their business has grown by a significant multiple multiples over the last few handful of years, primarily because of what she's done. But this business doesn't track anything. The business she's with doesn't track. They don't have numbers. She can't look at numbers that she can see the impact, the direct impact. She can take a look at revenue, but that's it. They haven't gone beyond that. And none of the managers, none of the owners, none of the partners in this business have any idea. And it's unbelievable, but it's not surprising that they're now having a down, downturn. They're now on a slippery slide and ultimately they don't know what to do about it because they don't know the data. They don't know what's working, what's not working. They can't make good decisions. So let me give you a couple of ideas on what numbers that as a leader you want to start with. And I look at a couple things from a sales perspective. I always look at what I call the vital stats. The vital stats are three simple numbers. Now, I used to track... And, and have when I was running businesses tracked, you know, 20, 30, 40 different numbers because I like to slice and dice every single possible way you possibly can. But these three numbers are called the vital stats for a reason, because you have to know these three numbers at a minimum. You got to know these three numbers, right? Uh, one is the number of selling opportunities. And just look at a week or a day, short period of time. Number of selling opportunities, which is the number of times that you as that business have an opportunity to sell something, okay? If you're an individual, it's the number of times you have an opportunity to sell something, bring on a client, whatever it is, the number of selling opportunities. If you're a retail store, number of selling opportunities would be the number of people that come into your retail store or visit your online uh, store, store, your website. Uh, that's number of selling opportunities. Secondly, is of those selling opportunities, how many result in a sale? Okay, we've got opportunities, and then how many result in a sale? That's your sale ratio. 
what percentage of your sale of those opportunities turn into sales. And then the third number is when they turn into sales, what's the average revenue? That's called your sale size. When you multiply all three of that, that's a production or a revenue uh, number there. And you multiply that times 52 if that's a week or 365 if that's a day, whatever it is, there's your revenue projection based on those three vital stats. Now, what you have to look at as a leader is which of those three do you, what's the most impactable lever there? What do you have the most ability to impact? Is it the selling opportunities? Okay, selling opportunities, that's going to be the lead generation or the marketing and prospecting. Okay, we can drive that, put more effort into that, more sources and strategies. That's going to increase that front end. The sales ratio, maybe that's the problem. Maybe people are not converting in the funnel enough. Maybe it's our process. We're taking them through too many steps. Maybe it's our sales skills. Maybe it's our website sucks. Maybe it's just our whole process of how we're explaining what we do is too confusing. I mean, there's all kinds of reasons for it. Maybe it's our price point. Maybe we're too expensive. Maybe we're too cheap. Maybe they're getting the wrong impression. There's no value there. There's all kinds of reasons that it could be, but that's the sales ratio. What percentage are resulting in a sale? And then lastly, the sale size. Okay, so that's when we do business with somebody, how much business do they do? That might be a function of the type of clients or customers you're working with. That might be the type of a function of the number of offers that you're making or you're doing kind of a single shot approach or you're trying to do more holistic help or work or multiple uh, product sales, whatever the case may be. But knowing those numbers allows you to take a more directed, targeted approach on your strategy. Okay, as a leader, I could always say, hey, this is a lever we're going to move. And if we move this lever by even 5%, here's the difference in the revenue we're going to have. So let's talk about how as a team and an organization, we can move this lever, this sales ratio. And look at, you can look at any business. You can look at Starbucks. I guarantee that a regional manager for Starbucks uh, knows those numbers inside and out. Now for Starbucks, selling opportunities would be the number of people that come into a Starbucks in a given day. Okay, that's the number of uh, selling opportunities. Uh, or maybe go online because they're doing some online stuff too. Uh, the sales ratio for Starbucks, I got to think it's pretty high. I mean, I don't think many people come into a Starbucks and don't at least buy a cup of coffee or something. So it's probably 98%, I don't know, something like that. And then sales size. You can see sales size is absolutely a number they look at. And that's probably the lever that they try to impact the most. Because as you walk up to the counter, you see all kinds of great stuff, great food. You see mugs. I'm always like, wow, I need a new mug, new Starbucks mug. Uh, You see this great food. You see the chocolate covered espresso beans. You see all kinds of these offers at the front that suddenly are tacking on to the sales size. And all of a sudden, they've got a higher average sale. I guarantee they're thinking, hey, if we can increase our sales size by 50 cents, Every sell, sale that we make, that's, you know, millions of dollars, millions of dollars. I mean, it's just unfathomable. Tiny little movement produces dramatic results. Uh, other numbers uh, that a business needs to know, your revenue growth. You know, that's the direction of your business. How much are you growing? Your year-over-year revenue, absolutely essential. Take this year or this quarter or this month, compared against last quarter, last month, last year, uh, at this time last year. Uh, that tells a lot and tells a big story about where the direction of the organization is going. Uh, turnover, that's another big number. You're in uh, two different types of turnover. One is good and one is bad. The bad turnover is your employee turnover, your associates turnover. Uh, a high turnover of leaders, employees, associates, staff, whatever it is, uh, or clients, that's another one. 
That's bad, right? We don't want retention problems because if I've got retention problems in an organization, the costs, uh, direct costs are incredible to hire, train, uh, and restaff those positions. And also just the cost on the culture. I mean, think about it. I've seen organizations like that that really struggle with it. And there's some key problems. There's key reasons. And we'll talk about that in another episode. There's absolutely specific causes to retention problems. But I don't know it unless I can look at those numbers. I can feel it. I can say, hey, well, it seems like a lot of people are leaving. But unless I really look at it and quantify it, it doesn't prompt me to do the right things and make the right decisions and make changes that might be absolutely essential that I have to make, not next year, next month, but now. Okay, that's the importance of really being on top of the data. Uh, the good type of inventory turnover, uh, turnover that we want to just give it away is inventory. We want to be able to turn that over fast. We don't want inventory sitting on our shelves or in our warehouses for a long period of time. We've got to move things through quickly. Businesses that accumulate a lot of inventory, that's not a good sign of a thriving, successful business. I don't know that unless I'm really tracking that. Uh, you know, cost of goods sold. I want to know that. How much does it cost me to sell this product? Um, what is my cost per unit? I want to know those things as well as my gross profit margin. I need to know, okay, if I sell uh, this uh, cupcake, you know, what is the percentage profit? How much does it cost me to make this cupcake? And what am I selling it for? And what percentage of that is actually profit that goes to the bottom line? It's a big difference. If I might be making, I might be charging, you know, five bucks every cupcake. But if I'm only uh, got a 10% profit margin, that's not great. Whereas I'm selling them for four bucks and I got a 30% or 40% or 50% profit margin. You know what? That's a dramatically different business, right? But I don't know that unless I'm tracking the numbers. So uh, I could go on and on and on about this, but I will tell you, this is one of the biggest gaps I've seen with leaders is not understanding these numbers, not knowing how to track them, not having the systems to track them. That Some companies or organizations just don't have the data. They don't have the data to look at. Some have the data to look at and they just choose. The leader chooses not to look at it or they're not looking at the right things or another problem is they're looking at the things, they're just not interpreting it. So I look at data, I can look at, I can look at all kinds of financial documents and tell a story. I can put the pieces together and say, okay, here's what's happening and zone in and here's exactly what the problem is and here's how to fix it. If I went to a doctor and I looked at a lab report, I don't know, I don't even know how to read that. And so me having the lab report doesn't do any good for me. I don't know my enzyme levels and this and that and white blood stuff. I have no idea. It doesn't mean anything to me. It's like hieroglyphics. I don't know how to interpret that data. So just having it is not enough. You need to know how to read it. So I'm more than happy to help. I know there's leaders out there that this is an area of opportunity. You know it. You, you're aware of it. You want to do something about it. Hey, listen, I've been there. I've had to learn it myself. I'm more than happy to help you, work with you. Uh, just reach out to me directly. But uh, keep watching. Keep sharing your ideas. Keep commenting. Give reviews, please. If you like this episode and you like the other ones, go down below, hit that five star and give some great feedback. And of course, share this. And lastly, subscribe. If you don't know and you're just listening to, uh, to me talk to you and not watching, I'm on YouTube. I'm working on YouTube channel. So go to the YouTube Tomorrow's Leader and subscribe. Thank you very much for joining. I hope this, hope this was helpful. And I will look forward to seeing you and talking with you next time. Thanks. Thanks for joining us on today's episode of Tomorrow's Leader for suggestions or inquiries about having me at your next event or personal coaching. Reach me at john at loritogroup.com. 
Once again, that's J-O-H-N at L-A-U-R-I-T-O-G-R-O-U-P dot com. Thanks. Lead on.